December 26, 1900, Joseph Moore rode a small paddleboat towards Eileen Moore, a small island off the northern coast of Scotland. Ocean waves sprayed his face. Moore couldn't shake the feeling that something was wrong. He was about to relieve one of the three lighthouse keepers from their six-week-long duty on the island. They'd been stranded without access to the outside world for even longer than usual. Moore was supposed to arrive days earlier, but a series of storms delayed his journey. Upon landing, Moore's unease grew. The other lighthouse keepers would normally be outside greeting him, but they were nowhere to be found. And as he walked up the steep slope towards the facilities, he found the island in disarray. Broken crates scattered about the grounds, mooring ropes haphazardly strewn on top of rocks. He hoped they were remnants of the recent storms. When Moore arrived at the lighthouse, the door was wide open. Inside, ice-cold food sat on plates on the table, as if everyone had left mid-meal. No one had lit the fire in days. Moore shouted the names of his friends and co-workers, but could only hear his echo in response. He couldn't understand where the three men could have gone. It was a tiny island, and they didn't have access to boats. And yet, the lighthouse keepers of Eileen Moore were nowhere to be found. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a one-part episode on the disappearance of the lighthouse keepers of Eileen Moore. In December 1900, three lighthouse keepers working on a remote Scottish island vanished without a trace. Their bodies were never found. Today, we'll examine what we know about their final days on the island before discussing what happened. Some suspect a powerful storm swept the men away, but legends of supernatural happenings on the island could suggest otherwise. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details.
It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Though just 500 feet across, Eileen Moore is the largest of the Flannan Islands, an archipelago off the northwest coast of Scotland. The only known residents to permanently inhabit the island were the Saint Flannan and his followers, who arrived sometime around the beginning of the 7th century. But their stay was brief. Almost as soon as they arrived, they moved on, leaving behind just a chapel and a flock of sheep. Nobody knew the reason for their departure, but rumors spread that the island was haunted. More than 1,200 years passed before Eileen Moore received new tenants. Then, in 1895, a group of men set out to build a lighthouse on the island. The area was known for its low-lying fog and rocky coastline. The lighthouse would help provide ships with a safe passageway through the archipelago. But construction wasn't easy. The rough Atlantic Ocean made it difficult to transport supplies. And when supplies did arrive on the island, workers needed to hoist the materials to the top of a 148-foot-tall cliff with jagged edges. This included the enormous stones used to build the structure itself. To help in the process, the construction crew laid railroad tracks into cement on the lower end of the aisle. They could then send heavy materials up the cliff using a small train engine. But even with this technology, construction took two years longer than expected. The project finished in December 1899. Now, the lighthouse just needed keepers to ensure it stayed operational. Their work could mean the difference between life or death for sailors navigating the waters around the islands. So the lighthouse keepers were chosen based on experience, resilience, and most importantly, reliability. Four men were selected, James Duckett, Donald MacArthur, Joseph Moore, and Thomas Marshall. As the most seasoned of them all, 43-year-old Duckett was named the head keeper. 28-year-old Marshall was the youngest and least experienced, and the only one without a wife and kids at home. The job was often exhausting and thankless. Keeping the beacon's lens clean and the light filled with oil was a full-time job with high stakes. If the beacon went out even for a second, it could spell disaster for ships at sea and the people on board. In good weather, the keepers worked from dusk until dawn. But during storms, they couldn't afford downtime. They remained on high alert until the bad weather cleared and storms could last for days at a time. And of course, they were isolated from civilization and their families during their six-week-long shifts. At any given time, three men lived on the island, while the fourth spent two weeks on the mainland with their family. And on December 6, 1900, it was Joseph Moore's turn to spend two weeks at home. As we mentioned earlier, after spending his time on the mainland, Moore returned to Eileen Moore later than he intended. 
Though scheduled to arrive on December 21st, storms prevented him from being able to safely make the voyage until December 26th. It was the day after Christmas, and Moore sailed on board a supply ship named the Hesperus, which was captained by a man named James Harvey. Once they cleared the island's shores, Harvey signaled the Hesperus's arrival with a whistle and a flare gun. But he received no response. Worried about what this could mean, he sent Moore ashore and waited for him to report back. On land, Moore found the island in disarray. In addition to the broken crates and fallen trees, its iron railings had been ripped from the concrete anchoring them to the ground. And he couldn't find MacArthur, Duckett, or Marshall anywhere. Plates of meat, potatoes, and pickles still sat on the table ready to eat in the kitchen. A single chair had been overturned. Of the three oilskin coats that normally hung on hooks inside the lighthouse, only one remained and it belonged to Donald MacArthur. But the eeriest detail of all, all of the clocks in the lighthouse had stopped six days earlier, on December 20th. The clocks needed to be wound every seven to eight days to keep running. Moore took this to mean they hadn't been touched since the 18th or 19th of December, at least two days before his expected return and seven days before his arrival. After returning to the Hesperus, Moore told Captain Harvey everything he'd seen on Eileen Moore. Harvey then ordered a search of the entire island. Harvey's men found no signs of life. No bodies, no blood, no signs of a struggle. So he sent a telegram to the mainland. It read, A dreadful accident has happened. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. I have left Moore, MacDonald, Bowie Master, and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning. The commissioners of Northern Lights Superintendent, Robert Muirhead, received Harvey's telegram. For Muirhead, this was personal. He'd hired all four lighthouse keepers. He promptly launched a proper investigation. But besides a life buoy apparently missing from the island, he didn't find many clues pointing to the men's whereabouts. As for what happened on the island prior to the keeper's disappearance, according to a publication released years later, the most significant evidence of what happened after Joseph Moore left the island came from a logbook kept by the youngest keeper, Thomas Marshall. On December 12th, six days after Moore left for his vacation, Marshall wrote, Storm still raging, wind steady, storm bound, cannot go out, ship passing sounding foghorn, could see lights of cabins, ducket quiet, Donald MacArthur crying. Particularly striking is the fact that something had brought MacArthur to tears. He was known as a particularly gruff man, prone to getting into fights on the mainland. Circumstances must have been bad. And whatever turmoil they were experiencing, it apparently didn't end. The following morning, Marshall wrote, Storm continued through the night. Wind shifted west by north. Ducket quiet. MacArthur praying. Later that day, he added, Me, Ducket, and MacArthur prayed. Marshall didn't write anything the following day, December 14th. 
but he penned his shortest entry the day after. It read, Storm ended. Sea calm. God is over all. And that's it. December 15th is the last record of the three men's whereabouts. On the evening of December 15th, a steamship reportedly passed through the Flannan Islands and noticed the beacon in Eileen Moore's lighthouse was out. Now, this timing approximately coincides with the last time the keepers would have wound the clocks. So this detail, combined with the light being out, could mean the men went missing on December 15th, the day the storm ended. But there's one major problem with this reasoning. Despite Marshall's harrowing entries, the surrounding islands didn't experience any storms on December 12th, 13th, or 14th. In fact, they reported clear weather until December 17th. Two days after the logbook concluded. Coming up, we examine whether a supernatural force was responsible for the men's disappearance. The Internet. What would we do without it? So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. Mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loey, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now back to the story. In December 1900, three lighthouse keepers on the island of Eileen Moore disappeared into thin air. The men presumably didn't have access to any boats. No bodies ever washed ashore. And investigators found no traces of blood or signs of a struggle. Over 100 years later, we still don't know what happened. Of course, the easiest explanation would be that the men simply wanted to leave. As we briefly mentioned, being a lighthouse keeper was difficult and lonely work for meager wages. And those wages weren't easily kept. If the men lost or damaged anything on the island, they'd have to pay for replacements out of pocket. In fact, 
we know that both MacArthur and Marshall had already been fined for lost supplies. An additional strike could have led to their termination. The job was also incredibly dangerous. Donald MacArthur often told his family about the perils of his job. Maybe the men finally decided they'd had enough and hopped on a passing ship to sail to a better life. But probably not. First, we have to consider their experience. They were no strangers to this type of work. They knew what they signed up for. But more importantly, two of the three men had a wife and kids at home. Even if they decided to abandon their posts, they likely wouldn't abandon their families as well. In addition, the closest lighthouse keeper to Eileen Moore worked on Lewis Island, 20 miles away. All ships that passed through the area had to travel past Lewis to return safely to the mainland. And the keeper on Lewis didn't see any pass during the days in question. Meaning, without a ship to board, the men most likely vanished without ever leaving an island. An island whose only other inhabitants were birds, rabbits, and sheep. Unless you believe the legends. For centuries, rumors of supernatural happenings have haunted Eileen Moore. Long before construction began on the lighthouse, shepherds used to bring flocks of sheep there to graze. But they'd leave before sundown because, above all else, they feared the fairies that called the island home. According to lore, fairies may have been the reason St. Flannan and his followers left Eileen Moore in the 7th century. After some reportedly negative encounters, the men reportedly performed some bizarre rituals trying to appease the creatures. After it didn't work, they left. Now, in Scottish folklore, fairies weren't the cute, winged, magical creatures found in most American forms of entertainment. They came in all kinds of shapes, sizes, and colors, and the different types of fairies included... Brownies, gnomes, the Gruagach, Heather Pixies, Pixies, and Seelicorts, all of which have their own temperaments. Though most were considered prideful and sensitive, some were more benevolent than others. For example, you probably wouldn't want to run into the homicidal Knuckle of V, said to traverse the Scottish Isles. Stories of the Knuckle of V have described the creature as demonic and pure evil. In artwork, it's depicted as a human-like, skinless monster without legs, fused to a skinned horse, with black blood running through exposed veins. Its wide mouth juts out like a pig's snout, and a single red eye burns with a red flame inside. According to legends, the knuckle of V spread poison through its breath and brought disease to men, livestock, and crops. It could apparently control the wind and hated smoke. Now, naturally, many are skeptical about the knuckle of V's actual existence. But setting reservations aside, the three lighthouse keepers on Eileen Moore would have been burning a lot of oil to keep their beacon lit during the storm. And if the knuckle of V hated smoke so much, it could have lashed out, creating a gust of wind that blew the keepers out to sea, far enough that their bodies never washed ashore. In fact, the knuckle of V could explain the inconsistencies in Marshall's logbook. 
Perhaps the reason Eileen Moore experienced a storm while the surrounding islands reported clear weather was because it was magic and only happening on their island. But for those reluctant to believe in the supernatural, it wouldn't have to take a demonic fairy monster turning on the keepers for them to end up at the bottom of the ocean. They could have turned on each other. Spending six weeks with only two other people, isolated from the rest of civilization, can be taxing on the psyche. And as we mentioned, MacArthur was known for getting into fights and already in an emotional state. Perhaps something finally set him off. After all, lighthouse keepers have had a history of violence. In early August 1960, relief lighthouse keepers Robert Dixon and Hugh Clark arrived on Little Ross Island off Scotland's western coast. Days later, on August 18th, when 15-year-old David Collin and his father, whom we'll call Martin, visited the island, it seemed strangely quiet. Aside from two fishermen on the far shore, there seemed to be no one around. Curious, the father and son rang the bell of the lighthouse. After no answer, they dropped by the living quarters. Little Ross had two small cottages, one for the headkeeper and another for his assistant. Martin found no one inside the first. But moments after entering the second, he ran back outside and told his son to get help. David ran to fetch the fishermen they'd seen earlier. Meanwhile, Martin called the police. Inside the cottage, a man was lying in bed wearing pajamas with a towel over his head. He assumed the man was sick. He had no clue he'd just walked into a murder scene. Hugh Clark had been shot in the head by his fellow lighthouse keeper, Robert Dixon. And now, Dixon was nowhere to be found. After launching an extensive manhunt all over Scotland, officials found him in Yorkshire, England. Dixon was then brought to trial, where he pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Dixon blamed his murderous actions on the isolation and stressful conditions of his work at the lighthouse. Additionally, his lawyers claimed he'd previously been diagnosed with psychopathy and that he'd shot his co-worker during a mental break. Despite the defense's case, a court found Dixon guilty and sentenced him to death by hanging. But the sentence was eventually commuted to life in prison. He ultimately died by suicide in jail in 1962, two years later. But maybe Dickinson was right. Enough isolation and stress could drive anyone clinically insane and even push them to murder. There'd already been something of a precedent. The first ever lighthouse keeper on Bolinas Island in British Columbia was committed to an asylum after working on the island for too long. And the 19th century was filled with similar stories. On Eileen Moore, all it would have taken would be for one of the three keepers to push the others off a cliff and then jump to his own death. And while we can't say whether any of them had a history of mental illness, we can definitively say they were exposed to a toxic, mind-altering substance. Coming up, we examine the dangers of mercury poisoning. Now back to the story. In December 1900, three lighthouse keepers on a Scottish island vanished without a trace. 
Over the past century, countless theories have been proposed to try and make sense of their disappearance. During the 19th century, we now know there was a surge of so-called madness among lighthouse keepers, all thanks to a new revolutionary piece of technology, the Fresnel lens. Developed by French physicist Augustin-Jean Fresnel, the Fresnel lens allowed lighthouse beacons to cast light farther out to sea. It could also be moved more quickly because it sat in a small round track filled with liquid mercury, ensuring minimal friction. The lens has been called the invention that saved a million ships. But it had the opposite effect on those tasked with cleaning it. Dust and dirt frequently built up in the liquid, so lighthouse keepers had to drain the liquid mercury through a cheesecloth to filter out impurities. And they would do this by hand. Of course, at the time, no one fully knew the risks associated with handling mercury. But that has since changed. According to experts, minimal contact with mercury is non-lethal and will have little to no effect on the human body. But increased exposure can get deadly fast. For example, the New York State Department of Health states that having just five nanograms of mercury in your body per liter of blood can be dangerous. And yet, lighthouse keepers were exposed to around trillions of nanograms of mercury every time they touched the lens. And it wasn't just direct contact. Liquid mercury also creates vapors when exposed to open air. And according to the Center for Disease Control, these fumes have a tendency to linger. Especially in poorly ventilated areas, like, say, an old lighthouse. And especially when windows and doors are shut tight, like during long storms. So in addition to direct contact, the Eileen Moore lighthouse keepers were likely inhaling a considerable amount of chemical fumes. And when enough mercury builds up in a person's system, the results can be destructive to the body and mind. The Journal of Biomedicine and Biotechnology reports that high exposure to mercury can cause irritability, fatigue, behavioral changes, tremors, headaches, hearing and cognitive loss, dysarthria, incoordination, hallucinations, and death. According to most sources, Donald MacArthur was the keeper most often responsible for cleaning the lens, which means he was also the most likely to contract mercury poisoning. And you'll remember, only one oilskin coat was left behind at the lighthouse. It belonged to MacArthur. Given the side effects of mercury exposure, MacArthur may not have been thinking clearly. Perhaps he stood up in the middle of dinner one night and wandered outside in a storm without grabbing his coat. In Scotland, temperatures can drop well below freezing in December. And that's before accounting for wind chill and ocean temperatures. Extended exposure to the elements could have been life-threatening. With less exposure to mercury, Duckett and Marshall surely would have grabbed their oilskin coats before going out to look for their friend. Outside, the island had a steep, grassy slope leading down to the water, so it would have been easy to slip, slide, or fall into the ocean below. You'll remember, Robert Muirhead's investigation found a life buoy missing from the island, which suggests someone needed rescuing. As with most lighthouses, the Eileen Moore keepers had a strict rule. 
one man had to stay in the lighthouse at all times. Any deviance from that mandate and they could be fined or fired. However, a drastic enough situation could have caused them to break protocol. And few phenomenons are more drastic than rogue waves. Rogue waves are the result of smaller waves dynamically colliding to create one massive wave. They appear suddenly and without warning. On average, they're at least twice as high as the surrounding surf. So, in addition to being wildly unpredictable, they're incredibly dangerous. One rogue wave could have been what had torn the iron railings out of their concrete bases. As it did, it certainly would have pulled any supplies on the island out to sea. And as we've mentioned, two of the keepers already had fines on their record. Losing any additional materials could have gotten them sacked. So if Duckett and Marshall didn't go out into a storm to save their friend, maybe they went out to protect their jobs. Muirhead's investigation found evidence of water damage on the island 200 feet above sea level. In his official report, he wrote, I am of the opinion that the most likely explanation of this disappearance of the men is that they had all gone down on the afternoon of Saturday, December 15th, to secure the box with the mooring ropes, etc., and that an unexpectedly large wave had come up on the island and swept them away with resistless force. But the problem most theorists run up against is Muirhead's explanation ignores Thomas Marshall's logbook. According to Marshall's entries, a storm hit the island on December 12th, 13th, and 14th. And on December 15th, the day Muirhead proposed a rogue wave pulled the men out to sea, Marshall wrote, Storm ended, sea calm. God is over all. Now this could have been a simple mistake. Records from nearby islands indicate a storm battered the isles on December 17th, two days later, and again on December 21st. Marshall could have simply mixed up his dates. Or there's an even simpler explanation. Marshall's logbook never existed. As far as we can tell, excerpts from the logbook first appeared in 1965 in a book that claimed to be citing a 1920s magazine publication. In other words, that particular piece of the puzzle could have been fabricated. As evidence, it's hearsay at best. Hearsay that has sparked countless theories about a mystery that may have never been mysterious in the first place. In truth, the answer probably lies at the bottom of the sea. But the ocean tends to keep her secrets, so we'll likely never know. That said, today... People report hearing strange voices howling in the wind on Eileen Moore. So maybe the lighthouse keepers are trying to tell us something from beyond the grave. And we're just not listening hard enough. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back on Tuesday with an all-new episode. For more information on the disappearance of the Eileen Moore Lighthouse Keepers, amongst the many sources we used, we found Vice, Historic UK, and History 101 extremely helpful to our research. 
You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Dick Schroeder with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Sheila Mong with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Connor Sampson. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Thank you.